Hey guys and welcome to today's episode of Give It The Beans. Uh, the time of recording is now the 17th of August um, so I am over a week sort of post-shoot, post-prep um, and I'm feeling much more back to normal. Um, like a lot, lot better. And for anyone that's been through a prep you'll know the minute that you sort of are able to eat a bit more um, just how much you just sleep better um, you just your personality comes back you talk a bit more um, I suppose you talk a bit faster I don't know about you but when I prep I find that like I really slow down when I speak to people um, everything's like a little bit of an effort um, it's maybe not you've maybe not noticed on the podcast or maybe if you have actually see if you have noticed that like the difference between the podcasts that I record after dieting or maybe perhaps before dieting versus when I did just ping me a message on Instagram and just say, hey Vaughn, this is what I noticed. Because um, it's really, really awesome to kind of hear a different perspective um, other than just sort of my own thoughts. Or, you know, when I, you know, when I chat to my wife, she says, yeah, you know, you, you, when you speak in person, you're really, really slowed down. But maybe that comes across a bit differently on a podcast. Uh, I can confirm I have stopped napping during the day. Um for those of you that that haven't dieted before, uh, you find that you kind of need that nap, um, a good sort of hour nap, whilst the body recovers. Uh, mainly because I I went into a little bit. It's a, not not a rebound really. It's just kind of I should have deloaded straight away, but instead I'm I'm not because uh, myself and my wife have a couple of nights away this week. Um, we break away, you know, after after prep, um, and she sort of deserves that. You know, it's been been a long time for her. Um, she is pregnant, she's in trimester three, she's struggling. Um, but yeah, a couple of nights away, nothing crazy, uh, just about an hour up the road. Uh, so looking forward to that and that's when I'll deload. And then the big push begins thereafter. Uh, the road to class one. I'm sure that many of you have listened to uh, the sort of, the, the, the season, the season, the prep season review. I done, I think that was published last week by the time that this podcast goes live. Um, so I won't I won't really sort of talk about myself anymore. I don't like talking about myself. Although it might seem it because that podcast was probably longer than the short ones I usually do. Um, I don't tend to like speaking about myself. I, I tend to like speaking about sort of content, uh, clients, results, etc, etc. Um, but this, this kind of leads me on to today's uh, topic. Um, and one that I just kind of like, Clara messaged me last week. And she was like, hey, do we have an article on a podcast about carb cycling uh, on the website or on the on the podcast stream? And I was like, like banging my head against the wall being like, no, we don't. But fuck me, we absolutely should. Because this is something that our target audience really kind of maybe want to know about. Or maybe just understand kind of like, okay, well, why do we do it? You know, I've done articles and podcasts about peri-workout nutrition, about tracking your blood glucose levels and meal plans versus macros and this, that and the next thing. But when like when when Claire had said, I went, damn, why have I not went down the simple route and just sort of talked about why we would do that um, and the, the sort of the benefits it brings in regards to physique development, in regards to bodybuilding, etc, etc. So that is effectively what today's podcast is going to be about. Um, there will be an article as well on the website to support this uh, that will be published probably in a few weeks. Um, when I was dieting, I kind of got quite ahead of myself with articles and banked like three or four in a row and I put one article a week on the site. So you can imagine that there's a bit of a delay if I write an article, I usually record a podcast on it that day, but the article doesn't usually go live until you know three or four weeks down the line. So if you've noticed that trend, that's exactly why. Um, 
But carb cycling, what what is that? You know, effectively it is having more carbohydrates, more total calories on the the days that you train. I call them these TDs, um, and then non-training days is NTDs, um, and then effectively going a little bit lower with your total calories and carbohydrates on your non-trained is your NTDs. Um, you might know that this is sort of very common um, kind of within the industry, but you maybe don't understand why that is. Um, so that's going to be the ultimate aim of the podcast is to give you a real understanding. And I guess in simple terms, it's it's going to be a benefit in regards to maximizing the amount of muscle that you can gain um, and also minimizing the amount of fat that you're going to gain um, whilst pushing your, your, your body fat and your body weight up. However, we do need to probably talk about the fact that not everyone is in a gaining phase and some people will be dieting. So that's two things that we'll go into in this podcast. But I guess before we do that, um, we should probably talk about, you know, what do carbs do? Or for, for those of you that may perhaps are well aware, I'm just going to give those that are unaware just a little reminder. I'm not going to go too much depth. Um, if you want to know, you can go read our other articles or listen to other podcasts. But um, we kind of need to need to, to briefly cover that. So for those of you who don't know, carbohydrates is going to be your body's primary source of fuel and energy production. After the consumption of these sort of carbohydrates, um, they can be used as immediate energy for general movement or, you know, maybe perhaps the energy that you need as you're giving it the fucking beans on the hack squat. Um, if they aren't used immediate for, immediately for energy, uh, carbohydrates can be stored in the form of muscle glycogen, liver glycogen, or body fat. That's that's pretty much it in sort of simple terms, right? So what does that matter, or what do carbohydrates do, and what's, how does that matter in regards to bodybuilding? You might be thinking, well, as, you, as, as I just said, as you're training in the gym, your body has a fair amount of energy demands, and that's because you are contracting muscle, right? The muscle that you contract... It requires energy to do so. Byproduct of that is going to be lactic acid, CO2, etc., etc. But what you obviously need to probably understand, and you you know you probably do listen to this, is that you each week, although you're placing high energy demands on the body, each week you're trying to do more, right? So you're trying to put more load on the bar, which requires more energy than you had before, or you're trying to do more reps at the same load, or you know, better muscle contraction. So you might find that your actual energy demands over time to do the same, you know, to, to do the same work in the gym that you're doing, obviously you're doing more load. Um, you might find that they actually increase over the weeks. And this is why calories and carbs can effectively be increased over time uh, to help fuel increases in strength. Um, but not only does it help, you know, the, the carbohydrates help fuel energy whilst you're in the gym, um, and for those of you who don't know, your know, peri-workout nutrition is something that I've done a podcast on before. Um, and you, if you scroll back to that, you'll figure out why um, the benefits that it has and what benefits that it does. It gives you energy whilst you're you're training, but also it aids recovery, right? So high high carbohydrates on our training days around the workout parameter specifically can help us like recover a bit quicker. It can help offset muscle protein breakdown. And help upregulate muscle protein synthesis. Two fancy words that just say breaking down muscle or gaining muscle, right? And, and that recovery process starts sooner by having a big influx of carbohydrates. Now, of course, you're going to team that with with protein, right? But what I'm just trying to get you is, in simple terms, saying carbohydrates themselves can help fuel energy um, and muscle contraction, but also going to fuel the recovery process. 
Does that seem simple enough? Yeah, I, I hope that it does because if we think about, okay, let's take, let's just have a think, take a scenario, a leg day, right? You're going in, got a couple sets on the adductor, hamstring curl, get to the hack squat, you got two top sets, fuck, maybe you got a widow maker to finish, then after that you move to the pendulum, you got a big dirty top set, and then you got a rest pause, then after you move you can do some sort of hip extension work, you go into leg extension, you, you, you're, you're working a lot, you're, like you're putting your body through a lot of like demand, a lot of workload, and now take that scenario versus a day that you're not training, right, a day where you just get up, you have a step count to hit. You're kind of active throughout the day because you hit your step count. Maybe you do a little bit of cardio. Um, what day do you think it would make sense to have more fuel on? If we looked at your total fuel demands across the week, where would you place emphasis on putting more in? You'd place it around like more on the day that you need it. Take a simple scenario, like you're driving a car. If you had a petrol allowance for the week, and you had a day where you drove loads, and then a day where you drove not very much at all, where would you say that you need more petrol or diesel? You know, it's, just, it's a simple analogy that I hope that you can kind of get your head around. So this is kind of one of the first reasons why we would opt to run carbs a little bit lower on a non-training day, is that your energy expenditure across that day is significantly less. Um, and what we want to do is we want to put more food and fuel carbohydrates in this in this sense on the days where we kind of need it you know your body's energy demands to just move to maintain grow recover it's going to be significantly reduced on those days where you aren't training now someone will come back at me and say yeah Vaughn but hey what about you know you're still recovering on those days yeah you totally are right but your protein's quite high or that remains constant to aid muscle protein synthesis Carbohydrates and fat fat demands on those days are just need to be enough to suit your energy demands for your chosen goal, whether that is gaining or dieting, which we'll get to here shortly. Um, but particularly, you I would suggest you want to put those bulk of those carbohydrates when you train around the workout parameter. Um, let's take the opposite scenario though. If, if someone was to keep their total calories and carbohydrates high on an on-training day, as high as they are on a, a a normal training day, you quickly find that you, you're going to add a little bit of body fat fairly quick. Why? Because the, the body doesn't need that extra fuel that you're putting in it, which kind of leads me to my second point of why you would run a little bit lower on on-training days, and that is to ensure you stay insulin sensitive. If you don't know much about insulin, you can learn a little bit more about reading the article on the website or the previous podcast I've done, which I think is two or three episodes back. Um, so not very not very far to go back and listen. Um, but again, I understand that some of you, this might be your first time. Um, so let me give you uh, a little reminder to, to sort of rejig your, your memory. Once you've ingested a meal, that those are, let's say, carbohydrates. So you can, you know, this is going to come from ingesting any form of macros, but let's just talk about carbohydrates. Your blood sugar will begin to rise as your body breaks those carbohydrates down. Um, blood, you know, your blood sugar begins to rise. Why? Because glucose, which is effectively a simple sugar, which is which all carbohydrates are broken down to, begins to seep into the blood. Right? This isn't a bad thing, of course. Um, if we need it for immediate exercise, it's then shuttled to the muscle and just used for immediate energy. Now, this rise in sort of uh, blood glucose triggers a certain hormone 
called insulin, which is released from the pancreas. What this hormone does, travels around the body and it tells cells to open up and let glucose in. It says, hey you, open your fucking doors and let glucose in, you need it. Now, this process ultimately lowers your blood sugar back to baseline, back to where it was prior to eating to keep them nice and stable. You don't want them to be unstable if you kind of, again, go back and listen to that podcast, you'll figure out why you wouldn't want that. But please note that insulin just doesn't do this for muscle cells. So we're going to do this for a lot of cells, one of them being fat cells as well. So if you consume more than your body needs and you're at rest, your body's going to shuttle more, more of those sort of carbs towards fat than it is going to do anything else. Now, if you're lean, and you've strategically placed the bulk of your carbs around your your sort of your workout parameters and your your training days. Um, you're you're going to be fairly insulin sensitive, is a word I would use. And what does that mean? Okay, insulin sensitive means that insulin will more readily shuttle those carbohydrates into muscle cells to aid performance and aid recovery. That's what we call being insen- insulin sensitive. Now, what about the flip side of that? What, 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 what does it mean to be insulin insensitive or desensitized to insulin? So the more body fat you accumulate is when we become a little bit less sensitive to insulin. And all that I mean by that is that insulin will still, it'll still tell still tell glucose to, to go into muscle cells, but it's more readily going to shuttle carbohydrates into fat cells. And in fact, it's more readily going to do this if we consume excess carbs and we're at rest. So have a think about non-training day. What do you do? You rest quite a bit, right? So you want just enough carbohydrates going in to suit to meet your energy demands across the day, but not so much that it start your body starts to shuttle, you know, that excess into fat cells. So therefore, you kind of have that. That's a, that's a second reasoning behind why we would keep carbs a little bit lower on on training days. Because we want to stay insulin sensitive, right? We want to minimize the amount of body fat that we gain if we are in a gaining phase for sure. And I'd say the longer that you have this sort of higher insulin sensitivity, the more optimal it's going to be for number one, adding muscle mass, but number two, just minimizing fat gain in, in a gaining phase, right? You know, you're going to be in a gaining phase for 16, 20, 24, 28 weeks, a long, long time. And you don't want to be you know, Mr. Blobby by the by the end of it. For those of you that may be a bit too old for Mr. Blobby, uh, just go just go give that a Google. Um, but you know, you want to try and the, the purpose of gaining phase is to add as much muscle mass as you can with as least body fat as you can. You got to accept you're going to add a little bit of body fat. However, you can keep it controlled. It doesn't need to 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 be mental. Um, so one thing I, I would say is that you know you want to try and accumulate as as minimal as you can. So you want insulin sensitivity to be as high as it can. So I think this strategic fueling of higher carbohydrates, this cycling of carbohydrates on your training days where your body needs it to meet energy demands, to, to meet your recovery demands, will more than likely help what I just said and promote the uptake into to muscle cells over fat cells. If you were, you know, if you had a little bit more body fat than you needed to, and you were sort of a little bit desensitized to insulin, it would still tell insulin would still tell you know glucose to go into to, to muscle cells. However, it is going to promote more into fat cells, and you'll find that you'll gain body fat at a higher rate than you would do muscle. You know, I've had some cli- I've had some clients that I say, listen, we need to diet here, 
and they say, oh, but you know, I don't really want to diet. That doesn't make sense. I'm going to get bigger. And I, I straight away come back with, I might say something like, listen, with where body composition is at, it's it's not feasible for us to continue to push. And then if they keep, if they keep on, I say, look, that was a fancy word for saying your body fat levels are too high for us to keep pushing. Then they go, oh, right. And I say, well, I was trying to be nice about it. You know, <laughs> um, but sometimes you've got to just put it in layman's terms, and this is this is why you know, like, I feel at times in the assisted bodybuilding realm, there is scope to get a little bit sloppy in an off season, and, and it kind of like I feel it's kind of necessary and needed if you're trying to get rather large or you're trying to get large like bigger quick quickly, um, opposed to. Like if you're not assisted, I think you got to take it a little bit slower, because um, when you're assisted, like everything, everything's not regulated, so it's kind of easy to drop body fat. Um, I'm not saying like in my prep, I lost sixty four pounds. I'm not saying everyone should do that. In fact, if I could go back, I would start prep a little bit leaner. But I've seen the benefit of every time I've pushed up and looked quite shit. Every time I've pulled back down, I just look so much better. So. Um, I think the only time you can allow for that is if you, you really are trying to get big um, and if you just don't have a lot of muscle mass in general. I feel that if you are natural, I don't think it's actually wise to do so. I feel if you're a female, it's not wise to do so either. Just simply because as a female, yes, you guys are stronger than us males, but naturally and physiologically, your body will struggle to drop body fat quite as quickly as guys, uh, mainly just due to hormones um, and you find it a lot more challenging and difficult Um so and from that stance and that stance alone, I, I wouldn't push up just as much as guys would. Um, but anyway, back to the topic of today's podcast. Um, you may think, right, Vaughn, you spoke about a gaining phase, but you know, what about dieting phase? Is this something that we would do? And personally, this is still a methodology that I implement for all clients across the board. If you're diet, if they're dieting, particularly for a show or for a shoot, but even for just just general sort of lifestyle and gym pop. But I guess before I get into it, what I would say is that adherence will trump everything, right? Your ability to stick to your calories, not cheat on your diet, not go off, will trump any optimal methodology. So if you must keep your food the same, trendy and non-trendy, and that allows you to stick to your diet and to not overeat, please go with that. But if you are intrigued to why we do so, um, or why we'd still cycle carbs. Let me let me just explain. But hopefully you've kind of figured it out already. So the main goal of any dieting phase is, of course, to get extremely lean, but to preserve as much muscle mass as you have whilst you do get lean. You know, I think that if you didn't know already, you, you, like as you diet, like if you're a natural individual, you have to accept you will lose a little bit of muscle mass. Like you cannot control that. What you can control is you try and minimize that as much as you can, but the body itself will 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 drop a little bit of muscle. If you're assisted, um, protein accretion is so high, um, levels of testosterone so high, uh, you don't lose any. Um, in fact, you actually have an ability to grow um, whilst dieting, which is pretty mental. Um, but uh, anyway, so... If we think of this sort of strategic fueling as I've described on this podcast, it kind of makes sense to follow the same suit. Putting extra food and carbs in where your body needs them is going to help aid performance and recovery, right? So it's going to help you maintain your strength or try to increase it, but it's also going to help help those muscles recover from the work you've done. You're trying to upregulate muscle protein synthesis. You're trying to stay on top of like your body's ability to hold on to muscle 
So you'd put, put in more carbohydrates on that training day where your body needs them, where your where energy demands are higher. And as you could handle running, actually, I'd say even you know a bit lower on non-training days, can really aid in your fat loss pursuit. You know, like if you think like on those fat, uh, non-training days, that's where you pursue fat loss. Then you can really go quite aggressive with with putting your calories and your carbs lower. Um, and what that'll do is just drive your body in a further calorie deficit, chase fat loss a bit more, but also allow for just more food and carbohydrates to go in on those sort of training days. I mean, I also think that it has a huge added benefit as well, like a, like a mental benefit, because let's say you have five training days a week and two non-training days. Let's say on those two non-training days, you run between 50 to 100 grams of carbs. Now, I'm someone that did that. Um, I'm six foot four. Uh, my stage weight was 107 um, kilos. So if I can run 50 gram of carb on each day for a few days, I'm sure that you can. Um, so let's say, for example, you did that, 50 to 100 grams on a training day. And then suddenly when a training day rolls around, that increases to 250 to 300 grams of carbs. I think that it can be a huge mental sort of relief um, because you kind of go, like your brain goes, right, all I need to do is get through this day and then tomorrow I get more food. I feel it makes those hard days really easy to get through um, because you just know the next day, like you go, right, I get more food. And what you associate is you associate more food with feeling better, um, with increasing performance. But it might be something like, this is going to sound silly, but for those of you dieting, you know what I'm talking about. It might be like, oh, fuck, tomorrow I know I get a big bowl of Cocoa Pops, right? And that that thought alone might make that, that low day really easy to get through. You might not struggle at all. It might halt any cravings or any thoughts that you have. It instantly kills them because you go, nah, fuck it. Tomorrow I get all that. Yeah, it's sound. Um, that's what I've found over the years. But what I want you to think is bear in mind that that is not for everyone. And some people might not have that same like mental resilience. And to be able to run that low, because it all depends upon their relationship with food, which we know from person to person can be completely different. I've, I've said openly that my, you know, how I am with food is very robotic and it's not what you'd call normal. Um, I wouldn't, you know, I, I, I don't say that I dislike eating. Of course, we all do. It's something that we enjoy with friends and family and social occasions. But for me in my whole life, eating has always been about performance. I understand that there's people in the bodybuilding world and the physique development world that they haven't um, thought that way over the years and uh, they, they really, really enjoy food and they find prep a struggle, they find it hard and, and maybe they need to run the same diet seven days or have more more calories and carbohydrates on those sort of non-training days to simply increase their adherence. And if that stops you um, overeating or binging or cheating on your diet, I would actually say go for go for that. Don't, don't do carb cycling um, because it will only lead to perhaps frustration, um, you know, poor adherence, and then eventually it could lead to you pulling out of your diet. Um, so remember, adherence will, will always trump trump everything. So I guess in summary, you could say carb cycling itself is a great tool um, that we use within the bodybuilding realm. Um, those higher carbs and calories on those training days can help increase training performance, going to aid recovery, from the work you've been doing, um, but also keeping your carbs a bit lower on non-trained day is going to help you know keep you more insulin sensitive, allow for more energy to be put on those days where you need it, um, and ultimately I would say be better for maximizing muscle gain, minimizing fat loss, or if you're dieting, uh, aiding in 
training performance and then just just actively pursuing a bit more fat loss on those non-training days um so so that's kind of carb cycling in its two cents one thing i forgot to say at the start of the podcast is um we actually had uh, two bikini girls across the the brand uh, compete this past weekend uh, one was my client zoe caradice who and that was her third show um in three weeks three weeks back to back and then the other who um, is called Jenny McKenna, she was co- actually coached by Ali Burge. For those of you that don't know Ali, uh, make sure you, they head over to his profile, check him out, um, Ali, Ali Burge underscore Vida Physique. And the same as well when it comes to Clara, she is she's one of her coaches. Um, she's Clarita uh, SW underscore VW Physique. Make sure you check them out, give them a follow. Um, th- these guys are producing great content, great results. Um, but this past weekend, uh, both those females competed at the IBFA Granite City show um, in which they took uh, number one and number two in the bikini category um, so fantastic result Jenny took the win um, and then Zoe respectively came second but not only that Jenny also went on to win the overall which means that she uh, went into a, a, a class where all the winners all the female winners from the day go into um, and it was judged that she was the best out of them and fit her criteria the best so she got a big sword um, you know fantastic result for the team um, great job for Ali, his first overall win this season um, and his first obviously win in bikini so really really pleased for for the girls you know they were they, they were they were awesome how they sort of represented themselves on the day and, and ultimately Vida Physique uh, was incredible so girls if you're listening uh, I just want to say a massive well done to, to Jenny and Zoe um, you guys looked fantastic and you made both myself and Ali very very proud um, Jenny herself actually has another three shows. This that was Jenny's warm up show, right? And she won the whole show, uh, which just shows you how really good she is. Um, hats off to Jenny and Ali for the work they've done the past eighteen months. Um, the change has been incredible. Um, you know, going through lockdown and what they've done um, has been great to see. And then also Zoe, you know, a massive congrats. That was her um, third top two placing in three weeks, uh, which is is no easy feat and is difficult by any stand anyone's standards. Um, and she did it in federations that were, you know, up there. She took the step up um, this season to, to to tougher federations, and we only started working together six weeks ago. Um, it was six weeks ago she kind of said that, "Hey, Vaughn, I, I you know I want to do these feds, but I just don't know if I'm good enough." And I I said, "You're good enough, and we'll be absolutely fine." So she signed up for an extra two. Uh, she had originally only planned to do the Granite City one. Um, that was our second and potentially last show of the season. Uh, however, we had a chat um, and she signed up for a PC and FX one. I was there at the FX show, obviously. Um, so she got three top twos. Um, and we know what we kind of know what we need to do to break into the the sort of uh, the top placings um, and grab a win. She, you know, that, that girl's good, but in the, in the years, uh, she's going to be great. So another super result for, for Vida Physique over the, over the week. I think that we've had about 13 or 14 people on stage this season. Um, with between 40 and 45 placings. Uh, they, you know, the same competitors have competed across multiple federations or you know, multiple um, multiple categories on the same day and, and then also multiple federations. So it's meant that there's been a lot of a lot of placings um, and, and you know, myself and the team, the coaches are really, really pleased and proud of, of all our athletes. But again, looking forward to the rest of the season because we have a, we've, we've still got we're only halfway you know just over halfway through, um, and we've still got another sort of four or five competitors to go on stage um, and some results that we kind of know will be coming coming our way uh, based on the caliber of athletes that are doing it. One of them being, as you know, um, is Clara. She's well on her way now. I think she's week seven or week eight. 
uh, week seven into our prep, I think. And then next year, uh, you'll see Mr. Burge uh, take to the stage, whether he'll be in a pair of board shorts or um, a pair of classic physique trunks uh, is yet to be decided. Uh, I'm trying to push him more towards classic physique. Uh, but of course, uh, as always, Ali is not listening and uh, is, is wanting to do men's physique or maybe a little bit of both. Um, so listen guys, I'm rambling on now. I uh, hope you've enjoyed today's podcast. Just remember that wherever you are, whatever you do, give it the beans.